At Western Hills, we have a very specific mission. And our mission is to introduce as many people as we possibly can to Jesus Christ and lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why you heard Scott and Betty talking up here earlier about our 456 group, starting that mission at, at, at a young age because that's how much we believe in it. And we want to keep developing servants and disciples and leaders for Jesus. That's why I'm so grateful for what Connor did uh, up here today as he shared with us. And Connor, I appreciate that. Us young professionals, we got to hang together, man. So thank you. Uh, thanks for representing us well in that. Well, today we continue that mission in a way that because part of what we do at this church each summer, we bring in ministry interns. And we bring in young men and young women that are lining their lives up to serve the church in a, in a full-time capacity or in, in a full ministry capacity. And today is um, our first step with the preaching intern, Pierce Miller. I've been able to take a preaching intern for the last several years, and you've already know the blessing of that as these guys come in and it's a blessing in my life, and it makes me better because I'm talking to them about preaching, and we're learning together, and we're studying together, and it iron sharpens iron, and so I grow too. And God has blessed us with some incredible, gifted young men to come in and serve as our preaching intern, and this year is no exception. I can't wait for you to get to know Pierce. Many of you already know him. He's Marcia Neal's grandson, and you already are in... in love with him, and you already know him and appreciate him, maybe you've watched him grow up times, but if you haven't met him yet, you're in for a blessing today. The way that he thinks, the way that he handles scripture, his love for the Lord and love for God's word is going to come through. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to start him off by reading the scripture that he's going to be preaching today. He's taking the next, the next sermon in our I'm In series, looking at those decision points that Peter made as he followed Jesus, and what does that mean for us. So I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, because this is going to be an important scripture for us today. I'm going to read this for you, let this set the stage for him, and then I'm going to invite... Pierce to come up. I'm going to pray over him, and then we're going to be blessed by what God has to say through him. John chapter 6, verse 61. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus says to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. Jesus replies, Have I not chosen you the twelve, yet one of you is the devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who came, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. Pierce, if you would, I'll pray over you. Father, it's an honor to know Pierce, 
and to be aware of what you're already doing in his life and the message that you've laid on his heart for us today. So, Father, I pray for him, that he would speak boldly the things that you have for him to say. And I pray for us, that you would work on our hearing of it in our hearts, and then we would be changed by your words today. That this would have a, an impact in our life that perhaps begins something today and changes the course and the direction of how we follow you. Father, I ask all this in the name of Jesus, the one that we serve. Amen. Pierce. Thanks, sir. Good morning. Well, my name is Pierce. Uh, as Scott has already done so kindly introduced me, uh, I am the grandson of Neil and Marsha Haney. Uh, and I have a lot of experience being at this church. Uh, never thought I would be standing up here getting to preach to y'all, but it is a true privilege to be up here talking to y'all and talking to everyone that's online as well. Um, I, I have a lot of distinct memories being at this church. I remember specifically uh, one Christmas. I spent a lot of time here during Easter, uh, coming here Easter Sunday, and I remember Christmas Eve's here as well uh, at my grandparents' house specifically. And one specific Christmas that comes to mind to me is one that I, I think happened when I was about 10 years old. And I remember the entire month of December, I was just so excited for this Christmas in particular. Uh, not in the reason that we come to church, but because of the gifts that I would get, for sure. Uh, and uh, I think specifically what I wanted that, that year was a PlayStation 3. And that dates me a little bit because I think it's five now. But anyway, so I wanted this thing so bad all of my friends had one. They were like, dude, you got to get one. These things are awesome. I was like, you're right. I do have to get one. So the only way I could get one was through Santa, and that, that was what I was going to do that year. That, I was going to be so awesome, and hopefully Santa would bless me with a PlayStation 3. And I remember not even like sleeping hardly at all that night because I was so excited for this gift. I was crossing off days until I got to Christmas Eve. And I woke up, I think, before anybody else had, and I saw it. There was like a ray of light like on this PlayStation that, that I had gotten, and I, like, I had to act surprised for like later when my parents would uh, see me, but I remember getting it, and I was so excited. I was so happy. This thing was awesome. And I remember playing it and feeling a sense of, happiness at, at one point, and then at another point, about three hours later, just, I was just tired of it. I was like, why had I had all of these expectations for this? I had just spent the last month of my life thinking about this thing every single day, and yet, here it is, I have it, and it, it lets me down. And I, like, was not content. I was not full. I was hungry for more. And I think that's something that we can all relate to, that feeling at one point or another. Uh, but there's a particular moment that I remembered that. And like I said, I think everyone has experienced that. I think people throughout, like, all of society have experienced that. The people that are rich, the people that are poor experience that. And in particular, uh, there's a guy that I, I want to I talk to you all about for just a moment. His name's Tom Brady. I don't know how people feel about Tom Brady. Um, I may be, it's either yes or no uh, about how they feel about him, but 
this guy it has everything. And I wanted to, to set this up. And somebody was asking him, you know, what is it like to, to be where you're at? And I'm actually going to show a video here. This is an interview of 60 Minutes. And just listen to his, his words and his responses to these questions, because uh, I think it's something we can all relate to. But with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football, and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. Did you, like, this is the guy that everyone wants to be right here. This is the guy that makes millions of dollars. Uh, every, every man wants to be him. He's the quarterback of the New England Patriots. At the time, he's won three rings. He's won a couple cents. Uh, and he's got everything. And yet, he has this response of, I wish I knew what, there, what, what else there was out there for me. Like, wh why do we have this feeling? You know, what, what is going on in your life that, that you're trying to fulfill yourself on? And what is this, the same thing that Tom Brady is thinking, you know, I wish I knew, there has to be more than this. And I'm here to tell you that there is. But I want to ask the question first, what are, what are you fulfilling yourself with this morning? What are you bringing to the table when you, when you come to church this morning? And that's something I want to stick with for just a moment, because we all tend to be chasing after something. We're either chasing after, it could be your career, uh, it could be, the, you know, like the idea of, you know, if only I got to this point, then in my career, if I got this raise, or if I switched jobs, or if my boss wasn't so rude, then I would be fulfilled. That's a possible answer. Another possible answer is, what you have or, your, or for school. I remember growing up being in school and thinking I need to do so well so I can get into a good college and get a good job or I need to get into this particular school and that will become my identity. You know, I went to Texas A&M and I'm so grateful for it, but it left me unfulfilled and I was still hungry after I got out of school there. Maybe that's what you're filling yourself with. It could be the things that you have. It could be your stuff. It, that, could, that could be all kinds of different things. It could be the, new, the car that you drove here in. It could be uh, the house that you live in or the renovations that you have or, yeah, all, all of those kind of things. What, like, what are you fulfilling yourself with during this time? And I just want to focus on that. And I think that's a really important question to have. And then the, the last thing that I want to bring up is this particularly pertains to, to students as, as I once was, but it's like your hobbies. What do you spend your time doing? You know, what are you filling your time with? It could be, you know, fill in the blank of I'm the sports guy. I'm the football guy. I'm the basketball guy. I'm the instrument guy. I can sing, all this kind of stuff. Like, are you finding fulfillment in that? 
You know, and that's the, the question that I have for us. And I'm so thankful that this question has been so prevalent throughout the years because this is something that people in Jesus' time were dealing with. And we're going to go ahead and dive into the text. So like Scott said, we'll be in John 6, but I want to give a ton of background first because what Scott read, we're looking at this, this passage of I'm in, or this idea of I'm in, seeing Christ through the eyes of Peter. And in order to understand that interaction, I'm going to have to tell you what's going on in the chapter uh, during this time, like what got to this point. Um, what made Peter respond this way. So, initially, at the beginning of John 6, this is the story of when Jesus feeds the 5,000, and this gives him immense popularity. Jesus is able to perform a miracle, and he's able to give people food. They're able to eat, and in this time, people just ate to get by. They didn't eat to get full like we do today. Uh, So, he was able to have leftovers, in fact, And people were amazed by this, and he had a huge following at the time. And then from there, people had some motives. They were like, wow, this is so awesome. This guy can literally make food out of nothing. We should should follow this guy. This is awesome. So from there, Peter knows, or not Peter, Jesus knows their hearts, goes and prays to the Father, and tells his disciples to go on a boat and go across the lake. And that's actually what Scott preached on last week, is that interaction of Peter and Jesus as, as Jesus is walking on the water. Um, so I don't want to get too much into that. But eventually they are in the boat, go across the lake. And I want you to imagine, like, where I'm on a, standing on a dock up here. Uh, they're coming across the lake, and just imagine, like, a huge crowd of people coming to greet Jesus and saying things like, you're so awesome. I'm so thankful that you're able to provide food for us. Uh, in fact, this crowd walked around the lake to get to where Jesus was. So as you can imagine, that some of them were probably like, you know, this, this guy made food yesterday. I'm getting pretty hungry after walking across this lake. Like, Jesus, do you think you, what, what do you got on like the menu today? Like, what can you make us? And they're given a different interaction with Jesus than they were expecting originally. Uh, the, the day before, Jesus was feeding them, and today, Jesus is saying things like, you know, you came to me yesterday talking about bread, but I'm here to give you something else. And they're, they're kind of confused on what he's saying because they're like, well, bread was good. Bread was even good for our ancestors, uh, Moses and the Israelites, God rained down manna from heaven for them. Is that what's kind of going on here? Or is that, you did that yesterday, you seem to have multiplied bread, can you just do that again? And Jesus came and said, you know, that's good, that bread was good for the time being, but your ancestors ate that bread and still died. Not because of it, but just they, everyone dies, they still pass away. It wasn't fulfilling them. You know, they had to have bread each day. At the end of the day, like, I ate breakfast this morning, but I'm going to be hungry for lunch in a couple hours. And during this time, Jesus is telling them, well, I actually have something better for you. And that's where we're going to dive into the text. It's going to be John 6, verse 35 is where I want to jump to first. 
Uh, and this is Jesus' response to, I'm something better. Said, and then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So I want to stay on this for just a moment. That is, that is a very, there, there's a lot going on here. It seems like a really simple thing that's highlighted here. I am the bread of life. That seems simple to understand and digest, but I want to break down what Jesus is saying here. He's contrasting this bread that uh, the Israelites ate, and now he's saying, I am the bread of life that gives you nourishment and gives you fulfillment. And what's really specific here is that phrase, I am, that is a, a, a call to divinity, and what that means is that would have meant something to the original audience uh, that we can really easily miss. Uh, again, going with the Moses theme in, in John, Moses was talking to God in a burning bush, and Moses said, hey, you're giving me things to, to go and tell the Israelites, but who do I tell them that sent me? And this is what God tells me. He says, tell them that I am sent you. So that right there would have been understood to the original audience as I am God. I am the bread of life. So that's something that, that can be really easily missed, and I wanted to point that out and just show that Christ is telling them, I fill you up, not the bread that I made for you yesterday, because clearly you're hungry again, but I'm the one that gives you fulfillment. And that leads me to the to next point, is Jesus is the only truly fulfilling relationship that we can have in our life. And I want to break that down for just a moment. As Jesus' words, I want, I'm going to take Jesus at his words here, is that he is truly fulfilling. And the only way that we can do that is through a relationship with him. That we, we serve a God here at this church, and we believe in a God in this church that doesn't just fill you up from far away, but he does it through a relationship. Like you have a relationship with your mom or dad or, or brother or sister, like as you, would, as you would know them, as people would have known Jesus as a person during this time. So that is how Christ chose to to give us fulfillment is through relationship, and I'm so thankful for that. And the next thing that I want to talk about briefly is the fact that this is so hard for us to understand sometimes, and Jesus does something really hard in the text. Uh, in the following verses, he, he, he actually says some pretty controversial and weird things that I want to acknowledge first off. Uh, and I'm going to break them down for you a little bit. But in this big discourse, so there's like a conversation going on back and forth here between the disciples and Jesus. So I want to distinguish that for just a second. So the disciples, the text will refer to the disciples as people that came and followed him. That's the distinction from the 12, the 12 apostles. So what Jesus is telling them or tells them next is, not only am I the bread of life, not only am I God, but you need to take me in. I, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, which at the time these people had you know, issues with pork. It seems like a, a weird thing to tell this group of people to, to, to eat him, literally, but that, that's, that's what they would have understood it as in some ways, but in other ways I think they completely knew what Jesus was saying here. 
he's telling them to take him in. He's saying, don't work for, for food that perishes, but work for the food that gives life, and I am the one that gives you life. And these people ref- continue to refu- like, refuse to accept this. And I, I don't want us to make that same mistake because they, they had wrong motives about who Jesus was. And Jesus is very plain in calling them out about this and tells them, it's actually in the next verse, uh, 61 and 63, uh, he says, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if I, that you saw the Son of Man, as- wow, sorry, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? So I'm going to stay on that for just one moment. Jesus is calling them out here. He's saying, what, what do I need to do to prove to you that I'm God? Like, I'm telling you that I'm the bread of life. I'm telling you that I fill you up. And I'm telling you that you need to, to take me in. You need to have a relationship with me. And yet, you don't believe. All you care about is the bread that I'm going to produce for you. That's, that's all that's on your mind. Like your, stomach, your stomachs are grumbling. And... What, do I need to go back up to heaven? Like, if you saw me do that, would you believe? That's what the, is going on in this text. And then uh, in 63, he says, The Spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and full of life. So what Jesus is doing here is he's putting the flesh and the spirit at opposition. And he clearly is picking a side here. He's saying that, The flesh doesn't mean a thing. The Spirit is what gives you life. And what I'm telling you is the truth. What I'm telling you is full of life and full of Spirit. And again, these people, they just don't understand. And they have these these pre-misconceptions about Jesus that he's this certain person who's going to provide for them, and that's going to be it. They didn't want a relationship with him. And at the time, these people start to walk away. And they didn't understand that Jesus was there for a relationship. That Jesus is the end. He's not a means to an end. And so that's what I want us to emphasize here too, is what are you thinking? What what is your perception of Jesus here? Is, Is it that he wants to be in a relationship with you? Or Do you view him as like this divine vending machine or butler who, you know, brings bread and that's great uh, and he's there when I need him? Or is it, you know, we can like trade good things. I can can come to church and be good and do some good things and the Lord will bless me. And the Lord does bless us. I don't want to misconstrue that. He does bless us, but... Man, Christ desires so much more for us. He desires a relationship with you and I. And that's something that can be really missed out on. And that's not really seeing the full Christ. And I, I don't want that for, for any person at this church. I want you to know the full Christ. And this, this view of people talking to the disciples here... That's the first view I want you to see, and now thankfully we get to 
to see Peter's interaction here. So I want you to imagine that, you know, the disciples were standing probably right about here, and Jesus is rebuking this crowd, telling them, I'm the bread of life, you need to take me in. And they're starting to walk away. They're, like, he's becoming unpopular. His, like, the things that he did yesterday no longer matter because he's saying, I am God, follow me, and I'm not going to give you what you came for, but I'm going to give you something better. And these people start to walk away. And just like imagine being in the disciples' shoes for a moment. They get to stand there and watch all these people walk away. And in this society, something really important to understand is this was an honor-shame society. So you weren't associated, or who you were associated with and what they did was the most important thing about you. Your family was so important. Did they bring you honor? Did they bring you shame? And in this moment... Jesus' status from honor is now like just slowly sinking. People are walking away, and it's becoming shameful. And that's why he said, does this offend you? Like, why are you walking away? And then he actually turns around and talks to the disciples and said, are you going to leave too? Is what he asked. To the twelve. And Peter really sticks out here for just a moment, and, and we'll see throughout the series that Peter is not a perfect person. He's actually someone that we can uh, relate to pretty easily on that, on that aspect, but here I really want to highlight his response. He says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You are the one that has the words of eternal life. You, we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is a very, very, very genuine response here from Peter. Because what I don't want us to miss out on, well, actually I'm going to say what Peter is not doing here and what Jesus is not doing here, is we actually just read 63, and Jesus just said, my words are spirit, my words are life. Jesus is not feeding this answer to Peter for him to say, um, so I actually, I'm actually dyslexic, and I have a hard time reading. And when I was really, really young, I, I was terrified of reading in, in big groups. And uh, I remember, there was, this is like, I hope I'm not like ratting any kids out here or anything, but I remember like specifically if I had to read something in class and there was a big word that I had no idea how to even start reading it, I could like almost like get the teacher to help me and she would end up, like, doing the work actually for me there. She would be like, I would, like, if it, I'm trying to think of a word, like, guaranteed, seeing the word guaranteed as, like, a five- or six-year-old, I was like, I don't even know how to start this. And I would start with the first letter. I would go, and then the teacher would go, guarantee. And so she would fill in the blank there for me, and she would spoon-feed me the answer, and that's not what's going on in this passage. Jesus is not drawing this out of Peter or anything. Peter's actually seen a lot of things go on, and I'll come back to that in just a moment. But I want to focus on this phrase, Lord, to whom shall we go? As I said, this is a really genuine phrase because Peter could have easily just said, yeah, I believe. I, I know who you are. But what Peter's doing in this moment is he is acknowledging his past, and he's acknowledging 
that he's been let down too. And he's seen what Jesus has done during this time, and he's saying, Lord, where am I going to go? I've already seen what you're doing. I've seen you uh, turn water into wine. I've seen you heal people. I've seen you feed 5,000. Yesterday, we walked on water together. Like, how can I have that and then go back to this life that is leaving me completely unfulfilled? So that's a really genuine answer. And I think that's something we can relate to. And it, it almost comes from a place of desperation for Peter. And that's something that I really want us to see here is that these two things are, are at opposition. There, there's fulfillment in Christ, and there is hunger in the world. Because no matter how much you try, you can continue to try and fill yourself up with something that is not Christ. And can I just like save you some heartbreak? It's not going to work. I've experienced this in my own life, and I don't want that for you. Um, I want you to find fulfillment in Christ, and that is only through a relationship with Him. And He wants a relationship with you. And what I love about the congruency of Scripture here, in John, this is a, this is a common theme in John. And He brings up in John 10.10 10, that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come so that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. And he's, not, he's referring to heaven there. We, we get to go and spend eternity with, with God, and that's great. But that is, he's talking about the here and now. The relationship can start now. And one thing I want to talk about with Peter again is, and it relates to this I'm in challenge that we've been doing, we, we want to come away with something tangible each week for you to, to go and try and apply to your life. It's, uh, again, I want you to just evaluate where you're trying to fill yourself up. And when you're looking to satisfy hunger, I want you to ask the question, Lord, to whom shall we go? What's really, in this, this Tom Brady interview that, that we just watched, later in the interview, he actually says, or the... Uh, the host says, Tom, which, which Super Bowl ring is your favorite? And Tom like, kind of looks at him for a moment, and he's like, my favorite is always going to be the next one. And we hear that, and we're like, man, this guy is a go-getter. He's never satisfied. But do you realize what he's saying there? He's saying that there is no fulfillment in the three rings that he's already won. He was already at the pinnacle. And yet he's saying the next one will be better. I'm still hungry. We don't have to walk away like that with Christ. Christ is the one that fills us up. And I, I want to make a case for him really quick because I want you to hear and believe the words that I'm saying and the words that Jesus is saying here, but I want you to know that Christ came, as that John 10.10 scripture says. He came. And didn't just speak, but he did things, as, as Peter has already seen. And the most important thing that he did was he went to a Roman cross for us and lived this perfect life and 
died. We killed him. And he did that so that we may have right relationship with God. He brought us back into that right relationship. And that's, that's what I want for each one of us. And to be full in Christ is to, to have a full life here and now and not just in heaven. Um, so if, if you will help me pray here for just a moment, and I'll close this up. Um, Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be up here this morning. Uh, I want to pray for those people out there that are seeking and not finding fulfillment in anything, Lord, and they're wondering, why do I even wake up in the morning? Um, I want to pray for that person, uh, the person that that doesn't know where to turn to, uh, and that you, I want to thank you for who you are. Uh, thank you that you're a welcoming, a welcoming God and someone who wants a relationship with us and wants to know us. Uh, it's in these things that I pray in your son's name. Amen.